everybody, and welcome to SYD Life, a podcast all about living in Sydney and topics uh, that can help you live a good life, positive, healthy life here in the city of Sydney. And we're joined uh, for another conversation today with the infamous Dr. Peter Downey. Thank you. Welcome, sir. Greetings and hello. Great to be with you, Mitch. Yeah, my name is Mitch and uh, part of the team here. And uh, today we're talking about fatherhood, which is a great Mm. topic. We're coming up to Father's Day very soon. So we wanted to uh, drill down and and ask some questions around uh, being a dad and and doing doing fatherhood really well. Yeah. Dr. Downey obviously is a principal. Uh, He's also written a book on fatherhood, which is titled... So You're Going to Be a Dad. Love that. And that came out 25 years ago and the uh, 25th anniversary edition has just come out. Amazing. And and a newly recorded audio? Audio book, yes. Listening to my dulcet tones read my own book. That would be very therapeutic, no doubt. And uh, you're also a dad of three adult children. Yes. Yeah, I've got my my. I've got three daughters yep. and uh, one's about to turn 30 and the other in their early early 30s. Wow, amazing. Very cool. And then you've got now how many grandchildren? I have four between the ages of two. I've got three grandsons. Yep. So I've got a Walter and a Harvey and an Arthur and newly born Indy, Indiana. Indiana. And uh, they're a great joy to us because you can play with them and give them back. How good. Which is fantastic. How good. I get to watch that. I have two kids of my own. I have a yep. uh, three, almost four-year-old daughter, uh, redheaded, full of uh, passion and rage and, and all yeah. of the things in between. And we love her dearly. Yeah. Uh, her name's Rowie. And then we have a almost one-year-old, Ren, who is the other end of the, I shouldn't say spectrum, but he's the other end of the of the, of the coin. Uh, he's just all smiles and, and love and, and it's awesome. And it's an interesting reminder too, to me, it's been 30 years since I had little kids, but now that we've got grandchildren, it's a reminder of how much work they take, like yeah. how much, I mean, joy and, you know, right. but just- the constancy of looking after babies and children. I've forgotten. Yeah. And to, and to be reminded of that and have our family stay with us and just the, mm. the the whole routine of life and revolves around getting food ready and sleep times and yep. making sure you've got enough nappies and, you know, the, and everything's quite chaotic. It is beautiful. I've forgotten. Beautiful chaos. Beautiful chaos. <laughs> it is. It chaotic is. beauty. You, you do say. kind of <laughs> block it out of your mind, I guess, <laughs> at a certain point when you kind of forget it existed, but it is nice to be reminded. But also nice, I imagine, to be able to hand them back at the end of the yeah, day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's lovely. Yeah, it's good. Another fun fact, uh, just for everyone's uh, curiosity and uh, and for my own benefit, is my own dad is actually uh, was a primary school buddy of Dr. Downey. That's right. And uh, do you have any dirt on my dad? Uh, yeah, but none that I could share publicly. I mean, I, I imagine without you got his a, permission. A lot of mischief at eight years old. On the year six camp, I believe there was some mischief to be had. But Ooh. you know, I, don't, I think it's probably best if we don't dig, keep, dig too much into the past. Keep keep, keep it offline. But we sat in the same classroom. We were great mates, and that yeah. just makes me feel old knowing that. You're his son. <laughs> yes. I just realised. Oh, well, I'm a granddad, so I must be old. You, well, you know, older. You never feel old, older. Do you? No, you never feel old. No, well, I still feel 20. Then I meet 20-year-olds. I'm like, I'm not 20 anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> so, true. But uh, obviously, fatherhood's a massive topic and, yep. and something that's really important. Mm. Uh, you know, no matter what season of fatherhood, there's a whole bunch of different seasons. And new dad, uh, you know, dad to adults, dad to teenagers, becoming a dad, just preparing to be a dad. So, so many different things we could talk about, which we want to touch on. Right. Um, and, and But I think what can be confusing, particularly in a generation we're in where there's so much access to information, uh, things readily available, books, uh, blogs, podcasts like this, it can be overwhelming when you are 
you know, stepping into that space, wanting to learn more. Mm. What what do I listen to? What voices are right? Um, how do I dis- disseminate all this information I'm getting? Uh, for you, how would you boil down, the, I guess, the heart and the goal of, of being a father? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you're right. We live in an information age and there's too much information about everything. So you've got to work out your trusted sources. Sure. Oh, there's a book called So You're Going to Be a Dad, which actually spells everything out really clearly. Absolutely. No, a little plug. Um, look, I think throughout the goal of fatherhood throughout history, if you think in a, in a historical sense, we might go back to thinking about dad. You know, there's lots of different images we might have of dad. Dad as protector. Sure. So in early civilization, that was almost a physical thing, a physical protection mm-hmm. of the family unit. I will physically protect you from dangers and threats. Mm-hmm. Um, as you, as society evolved, that might have been an economic, that, that evolved into sort of economic provision. Sure. I will be the provider mm-hmm. of the family. Uh, and dads wear all sorts of different hats. And, and we live in a sophisticated society now where the roles of mums and dads have blurred somewhat. They're not quite as clear cut or, or divided as they perhaps once were. So mums are also protectors and providers and those kinds of things, and also teachers. And uh, for those, you know, I'm a Christian guy and I'm always, uh, was, as I raised our children, I was always aware of that, that uh, lovely verse from Proverbs, which talks about, you know, mm. teaching children in the way they should go. Mm. It's your role to what, what that's actually talking about is exposing them to mm. society right. um, and uh, helping them to be confident and to flourish mm. and to grow. And mm. part of that for me was involved growing them, helping them grow up in a, in a godly way and to, to know God. That's mm-hmm. not the case for everybody. Mm-hmm. But you want your children to be confident and to be able to flourish. And in some respects, one of the, 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 the biggest roles of fatherhood is redundancy. You, you, you are actually working on being mm. redundant wow. because when you have these babies that we have or toddlers, they're totally dependent. Mm. They can't feed themselves. They can't dress themselves. They don't know anything about the world. They don't understand money or travel or relationships, nothing. They're mm. totally dependent on you to do everything. Mm. But you have to look forward to a future era in mm. their life and a season where, they, where that's totally switched mm. and they are independent from you. Yeah. So moving from total dependence to independence. So helping them them navigate that space uh, as they go through their formative childhood and teenage years, you are working on being redundant and them ultimately leaving you Mm. and going and be able to exist as a flourishing human being in the world. Yeah, that's great. Now, I find it interesting, you mentioned uh, the blur that sometimes can happen in our, um, you know, in this day and age between uh, mothers and fathers. And and obviously there's a whole bunch of uh, different outworkings of that. But obviously, I think it's really important for us to to still value the role of father, and I think that, you know we, we've got to we've got to not lose that value. What do you think a father uh, brings, uh, not just on a physical level, like you said, protection, provision, but but even on a fundamental uh, human development level? What can a father bring, and why is a father so valuable? Yeah, look, it's an interesting question because obviously there are. Lots of families that are single parent families that yeah. might not have a father, sure. and that's not to say that this thing is lacking mm. in in their life. And 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 people who are single parents, in some respects, adopt both roles. Yeah, sure. But, but there are differences between males and females, despite the you know the, 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 sort of some of the current ideologies. Yeah. I'm, I'm somebody who would say I think men and women are yeah. uh, different, and uh, there's a lot of psychological studies and things that talk about um, senses of self esteem. Uh, coming from from fathers, mm-hmm. and uh, you see in in families where a father might be detached or not really invested in the child, that the self esteem can suffer. That their sense of of identity, sure. 
Um, I think also um, a father is is role modelling what it means to be uh, a man mm. and what it means to be a man, hopefully in a, in a, in a normal marriage or a committed relationship, what sure. it means to be a man in relationship mm. to a woman. Mm. What you know? What what a, what a marriage looks like? How men should behave? Mm-hmm. How men should um, treat women? So I have three daughters. Yeah. So I didn't need to teach my kids to be manly, but sure. I didn't treat them like you know. It wasn't just all dolls and you know. Yeah. They they're, they're, they're just no, normal kids. Just treat them like kids. Yeah. Um, but I wanted them to grow up knowing what they should expect mm. from a relationship with a man. Yeah. Awesome. Beautiful. Now, I, I want to take you back to those early stages, like you're mentioning, um, you know, when you first became a dad um, and as you first became a family unit and those first few formative years, uh, are there some key practices or things you learn, obviously, that we often are found, you know, you learn by error often and you go, okay, that that's not uh, something I want to keep doing or, and you start to adjust your behavior or some of your, the rhythms as a family. Were there some key things you put in place or you found worked really well in those formative years? Yeah. I mean, we always had, it was always important in our household to have kind of rituals and mm. Um, commitments and habits of fam- family life, so rhythms yeah. that that were always constant. So, for example, again, as a as a Christian family, we we prayed with our kids. That was all they've ever known. Yeah. Um, the kids did chores as they grew up. They they contributed to the family household. Um, we had family holidays. We went to church. We went to activities. We'd go and visit an elderly relative. We had just rituals that they grew up with mm-hmm. that were just normal. They yeah. were just part of normal life. Yeah. Um, and that was important. Boundaries was always important mm-hmm. and having, you know, a, a household that, that wasn't harsh but where there was safety in the, the boundaries and the discipline of the rhythms of family life. Yeah. Um, and, and that's even down to things like uh, mealtime mm-hmm. was always an important thing for us and uh, we, we never had TV on. We didn't have phones. I mean, phones didn't exist when my kids were growing yeah, up. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. phones at the table, it was like we would spend time together um, at mealtime mm. talking mm. Um, about things. That was always really important. Other other practices and things were that we always wanted to be approachable. I always wanted uh, my children, no matter what their age, mm. to be able to talk to me about stuff and uh-huh. to talk to my wife about stuff. And that uh-huh. meant being a good listener. Yeah, it's huge. And, 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 and disciplining myself not to overreact or to judge. It's really good. Um, but, you know, provide commentary and we had a disciplined household. Mm. Uh, but it was, I never wanted my kids to be scared of not being able to communicate with me or share with me issues yeah. that they had. Yeah, so we, uh, me and my wife Beck, obviously our, our three-year-old is really starting to get into that age where, uh, you know, there are boundaries being um, pushed and explored and, and, and we are really wrestling with, okay, how do we, mm. how do we, you know, not create anarchy yeah. <laughs> and let yeah. it just, you know, go, go wild, but also how do we, uh, not be in that category of, of harshness where she lo- no longer feels she has safety to express the things she's feeling and yeah. and, and be able to share and, and, and process the, all the emotions that, you know, she's getting, you know, going to preschool and all these different things. And so we're yeah. really learning to 
hold our tongue and, and not react because sometimes we get triggered by our own yes. stuff in our own insecurities, yeah, right. our own things. We get triggered and and just being patient, allowing her to yeah feel that safety. Yeah, um, and and they learn that you know kids are very astute. They 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 pick up on things and they read things. They they'll read verbal cues and nonverbal cues. And I think if you grow up in a loving home where there's physical affection, yeah. where there's boundaries, where there's discipline, where you can articulate why you're doing things. Mm. Um, that's really helpful. And it was also important for us as we raised our kids for them to have a strong sense of self-esteem and, yeah. and confidence and value. You know, they had a sense of their own kind of value and worth. Can I stop you there? How, yeah. how did you specifically, were there any things you, you did intentionally to really try to speak into their value and worth and esteem? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it was articulating things and it wasn't just necessarily praising when you, mm. you know, it won the soccer competition or sure. kicked a goal, but even even things like, you know, praising effort, yeah. I think was something that, that was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think also they're just knowing that they were important, that, 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 that they would be listened to, that they had a role mm-hmm. in the family and that yeah. I gave them time. By giving them time and, and showing I, you are valuable because I will spend time with you yeah, wow. because – I want to spend time with you. I want to talk with you, and I and I want to go on holidays with you. Mm-hmm. And and at the mealtime, I'm interested in your world. Yeah. I want you to tell me about what's going on for you and how you're feeling in that situation. Those things send messages yeah. to children. But it was also important at the same time to learn that they're not the center of the universe. Sure, that the world does not revolve around them. And I think you, it's a balance because mm. you don't want to praise your kids all the time. So just think everything should just go my way. Right. I'm the center of the universe. It's not. Mm-hmm. That's not the case. Yeah, they need to learn that. You know, sometimes things won't go their way. Yeah, but that's okay. Um, that sometimes they'll be disappointed mm. or sad, mm-hmm. and 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 that's okay. So teaching, and I think also that thing about self-esteem uh, relates to resilience too, and and mm. and walking them through experiences of disappointment and sadness. Yeah, and showing that you get you do get through this. You do get through the other side, mm-hmm. so that they're not. They develop that resilience and that capacity to bounce back and not be not be shattered by the yeah. the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune which come their way in life. Absolutely, yeah. No, I think we're we're learning too. Um, yeah, giving that space for and you know not trying to get them to repress or suppress some of those emotions, but actually you can feel it and get through it and you'll be okay. And I think allowing that space for them to learn and go, you know what, this is sad and that's okay. I do need to cry. This is okay. Yeah, um, exactly. But, you know, and and because and, I think sometimes we, we try to just keep harmony, right? We just try to, you know, we, we want everything to be nice and, and harmonious, but actually life isn't and no. things happen and we need to deal with that and realize it isn't, you know, it's, you can feel that and it not be the end of the world at the same time. Yeah, yeah no, that's right. Um, what, what I'd love to know, because I think what can happen with a lot of parenting and, and fatherhood specifically is, you know, we do have our own stuff and our own stuff leaks mm. uh, onto our kids and, and we uh, sometimes parent in a way or react in a way that we're not proud of or that we didn't mean and, um, you know, and there can be a lot of guilt that comes with that oh, and, and where we kind of beat ourselves up of, yeah. oh, I shouldn't have done that or I, I wish I didn't say that or I wish I didn't do this. How can we um, manage that as a, as a parent ourselves and, and maybe then make some course corrections yeah, where yeah, needed? Yeah, look, I, I think the first thing is to cut yourself some slack by realising that all parents are amateurs. There's no professional parent. I mean, you can read books and look at websites and have chats and, you know, think you've got it down, but we're all kind of amateurs feeling our way. That's the first thing. And to acknowledge that we're human 
and that we will make mistakes. One of the things that was, uh, I, I suppose, important for for me was to uh, my wife and I would actually talk about mm. how we're going as parents, how we're going in life. And I think you think about if you're in a sports team, you look at your performance and go, okay, well, you know, how have we gone? What do we need to do to improve? Or you know, how did that play work out? Yeah. Or in business, if, right. you're, if you're running a business, you know, you'll kind of reflect on how the business is going, where do we need to go? And without turning parenting into uh, a, a, you know, a, a sport or a business model, I mean, people mm. have been parenting for millennia right. without, without websites and social media and yeah. books and stuff like that. They just do it. Yeah, it's instinct. Um, but I think evaluating, and there were lots of times where we would reflect upon an experience or something that happened when perhaps we you know, disciplined one of the kids and, mm. and then kind of had to reflect on that and go, okay, well, was, was I on the right track there? And I suppose part of that is not being afraid to apologise sure. when you need to. You don't have to be the great person who's got it right all the time. And there were times where I'd apologise to my kids and say, hey, listen, in this instance, yeah. I, was, I, I didn't get it right. Mm. And, and, and that's okay. And, and, I, and I think that's part of it. And that, that builds a bond of safety and trust, knowing that you, you, your kid's not feeling that you're some unassailable, yeah. you, you're up at some unassailable height, that you are a, a human being. And also, the other thing is there's lots of, I'm a really great supporter of parenting courses. Okay. Um, you know, a lot of people think, oh, you do a parenting course when, you, when you're in trouble, when parenting, you're broken, you right. know, there's a real problem, so I've got to do a course to sure. fix myself up. Yeah. But there are so many courses that actually just, all they do is help you reflect. And mm. I've, I've done one, I've led one, and the same for marriage courses. I, yeah. I think they're terrific because yeah. they help you to think about how you're going and to articulate that. And it's, and it's just sometimes often in the business of life that we don't have an opportunity to do. Yeah. So that, that's something that I'm, I'm quite keen on and quite supportive of. Yeah, that's, that's really good advice. I wonder, um, you know, I think sometimes there's a fear and, I, and I've, I know I've, I've witnessed it a few times where there's a fear either becoming a parent for the first time or in parenting that we're starting to repeat cycles of how we were parented or how, and maybe, maybe that our experience was, um, you know, not so favorable or, or wasn't so positive or, or maybe it was okay, but like there were just things that, you know, that, that we've found that we don't want to carry on. And, but we've found, you know, without even realizing subconsciously these things come out that oh, that's just the way it was. I, I experienced it. How do we, if there, if we recognize there are things we don't want to pass on or we don't want to continue generationally, how, how do we notice yeah. that and, and shift that? Well, it is all in the realization. I've met pe- plenty of people mm. who would say, my father or my mother or my parents, you know, they, they ran a household like this and I, and I didn't like that right. part of it, you know, and it could be mm. dad was never home, mm. you know, never, never saw, he was always busy, he was always going out. And so I vowed that when I have kids, I will, I will have time for them. So often people realise that and, and can put that into to play. I think the more difficult thing is where we're just repeating patterns because that's all we know. And so I think, you know, having the capacity to step back and do that evaluation mm. and actually sort of contemplate, you know, how how are we going mm-hmm. in this regard in relation to how we spend time together or how we relate to the kids or how we manage situations. Mm. Um, just being aware that, we, you know, and it's natural that we sort of tend to, to copy our parents, but often it, it can also be, I've, I've certainly learned a lot from viewing and looking at other parents right. and going, oh, I really like the way they do that. Mm-hmm. They've got a really great relationship and learning things mm-hmm. and, and viewing things and, and fr- from mates. I, and, and often when I was younger, older guys who had older kids mm. 
and just getting their advice. And I think of one, I always remember one example where early on when my, my wife Meredith was pregnant with our first child, uh, one of my good mates said to me, he said, listen, here's, here's the thing I got to tell you. He said, if you don't raise your kids, somebody or something else will do it for you. Yeah, well. And I remember thinking, you know, it was quite, it was quite a simple statement. Mm. I remember thinking, wow, that's, that's really profound and important. I have to be active in this space. I have to think about, it's not something I'm just going to stumble through. Right. I have to think about mm-hmm. what I'm doing, what I'm, where I'm going, how I am as a parent. I have to think about that and put that into place because otherwise, you know, TikTok will do it for me. Yeah. And that's bad news. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that is bad news. We don't want to go there. <laughs> Um, I wonder, okay, so obviously you're now a, a dad of adult children yep. and, and so you've gone and gone through that whole, um, you know, the seasons of change and primary school, high school, adolescence into, yeah. you know, uni and beyond and now they're having kids of their own. How has your role, you, you mentioned about it earlier about, you know, going from dependence to independence. Yeah. Um, but obviously you are still their dad and, and you have been through their seasons. Um, so how has your role changed and, and what does it look like now? Because I, I imagine a lot of our listeners also have adult children. And yeah. so what's that relationship look like? Yeah. Even when the kids were young, I had an awareness that one day they'd be adults and I'd be... Yep. the old guy in the family, you know, in the distant future of 2023. <laughs> and I wanted that to be, for our relationship to be uh, positive and open. And so it was something that we worked on from day one. It wasn't like we waited till, you know, when they hit 18, we suddenly changed our parenting. Sure. What actually happens is as your kids get older, you are perpetually, as parents, moving into new territory, mm. perpetually heading into uncomfortable spaces where you have to get comfortable. And there's going to be a first time for everything. It was the first time you leave a child alone in the in the house while you go and put the clothes on the line. There'll be a first time. And then you rush back in and is everything okay? Right. There'll be a first time you do that and they go to the shop and you go to the shops. There'll be a first time you let them go to school by themselves or cross a road. And that expands as they get older. So you, you reach that first time when they go overseas. And that's a big moment when you're waving your child by at the airport and you thought, wow, this is a kind of now they're totally independent. They're on their own. Yeah. They're on a plane and they're in another country on the other side of the planet. Sure. What's Gosh. that going to be like? But I think it's understanding that they and in some respects it's difficult because you're always there always be their parent. Mm-hmm. Like my dad is still my dad and he will tell me if he doesn't like my clothes. Sure. He will tell me if he doesn't <laughs> like what music I'm playing, if he walks through the kitchen and music's on, he's still my dad. Like this music's rubbish, you know. Yeah. But I, I think there is a switch that kind of flicks as they as they head into those later teenage years, mm-hmm. and I mean it's, it's harder when they're teenagers, but when they're they're adults, you actually acknowledge that they're adults, and and it almost flips where now I seek their advice about yeah. things that they are more knowledgeable knowledgeable about a lot of things that I'm not knowledgeable in, yeah. where I will seek their opinion, and and I'll say you know what what do you think about you know, tell, tell me what you think about this, and so I've learned to value them as functioning adults, mm. um, not just as tiny versions of myself. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's great. Um, I, I wonder, you know, because I think, um, you know, as we mentioned a few times, there are lo- lots of different, uh, expressions of, of fatherhood these days and, uh, different contexts that can come out in. And even some people who maybe have never been a biological dad, uh, but there's a real need I, uh, th- that I've seen anyway in, in, in this generation for fathers. You know, we, we even see a scripture where it says you've got many teachers, but, 
uh, not many fathers. And I think there is a need and a, and a hunger for fatherhood. And maybe some people have experienced a lack of that uh, either physically or emotionally. Um, so how, whether we're, um, you know, whatever season of life we're in as, as a male role model, how can we be a, a father figure to maybe we're in places where there's a need for it? Yeah. I, I guess it depends also on, on the age of somebody sure. you know, who's, who's got a, a, a lacking in their life. And it's really about connection. Mm and relationship. And it's got to be invitational. You, know, you can't just sort of barge into somebody's life and go, oh, I think you need me <laughs> in your life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's it, it's and it's not something where you'd even articulate and say, would mm. you like me to be your father for totally. you? But it's about like when you're in That'd a community, you might, be in a, you might be in scouts or in a surf club or a, a church community where you, you, you get to know people. And I think having relationships with people and learning about their worlds mm-hmm. and letting things flow naturally and you find, you know, if you're having a coffee with somebody and they're, they're asking your advice, it's not like you suddenly put it on a hat that is I'm your father yeah. but I've had I've had role models in my life who I've got I've got my dad he's my dad but I've had other male role models in my life who've also filled some spaces yeah. um, and that was just by us sort of spending time together mm-hmm. um, being relational letting things kind of flow naturally because you, you know they, they might not have a father figure in their life but they might not want one yeah sure. uh, so you know sure. you've got to, you've got to be a little bit careful there but I think you know having an awareness and having relationships and being sensitive to people's lives mm-hmm. and letting things flow naturally through yeah. conversations and and you know I've, I've had people who have sought me out. Um, for advice or just to spend some time together. And I wouldn't say, oh, I'm, I think I'm your father figure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in some respects, I'm fulfilling some of that role where they have that missing. Yeah, sure. Mm. I wonder, obviously, we do have Father's Day coming up um, this weekend. So if, if that can be a really challenging time, either as a dad or or as a you know as someone without a dad or, or maybe you, you were a dad and you, you've lost a child. Different, so many different categories yeah. of people uh, that this can bring up a lot of emotion. Would you have any advice for people as they navigate through Father's Day? And yeah, just- look, all, all these all these public ceremonies, whether it's Christmas, Mother's Day, Father's Day, you know, mm. all these kinds of things tend to be can be really challenging for people because there's so much pressure. Mm. Uh, even if you think about the ads on TV and social media, it's kind of this pressure for, you know, everybody's joyous and having fun. And of course, social media is so, um, you know, it presents such a picture of everybody having such a good time that that can really shine a harsh light on y- your own reflections of yourself if uh, if, if that's painful. Yeah. So I think it's, firstly, it's good to acknowledge that and go, this is a difficult time for me because it's bringing up memories. Mm. And it's okay to acknowledge those and to, and, and to process those feelings. Um, it's also okay to acknowledge that fathers, the the, the ideal of fathers, mm. and perhaps it could be a memory of a father, sure. or it could be perhaps not celebrating a father who who was not particularly good in that role, but still acknowledging the role of fatherhood yeah. as being something that's that's worthwhile and good and has a place in our society. And the other thing to realise is that Father's Day is, is just a fake thing. It was made, it's, you know, it was made sure. up 110 years old by, by 110 years ago uh, by a woman in, in Washington who had, um, her father was a single dad and he had six kids that he'd raised and uh, she was sitting in the, the Central Methodist Episcopalian Church <laughs> and uh, heard a sermon on mothers and she thought, well, you know, what about dads? So she started, her name wow. was Sonora Dodd, she started Father's Day 
And um, But then she kind of got disenfranchised from it because it became quite commercial. And, of course, in our society, it's all sure. about, you know, what, do you, what are you getting for Father's Day? What are you going to get your dad for Father's Day? Sure. So it's also okay to actually just miss, flick past the whole thing. Go mm-hmm. to the beach. Go out with friends. Go out for a coffee. It's like it's Father's Day, but it's not like some God-ordained thing. Which yeah, it's yeah, an invented yeah. day. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like having Puppy Dog Day. Well, I don't <laughs> care. I don't know the dog, so I'm not celebrating Puppy Dog Day. But God bless all the people who have puppies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, that's good advice. That is helpful, I think, to frame it in that light. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're, we have almost run out of time. I'd love to know um, how people can read your book and get your audio book. How, how do they access some of those resources? It's online. Yeah, you can have a look online. Amazon has the, has the book and uh, Audible. So you're going to be a dad. So you're going to be a dad. 25 year anniversary edition because there's different. I did. I wrote it in the 1990s. In slightly updated. And then it got updated at 10 years. Yeah. And there's a different edition for 20 and 25 because things have changed so much. They have. there was no phones when when yep. we first had our kids, so mm-hmm. you, you didn't have. You, you, there was no social media, so yep. you know the whole birth experience was a lot calmer. You didn't have to <laughs> post stuff from the delivery suite. You know? Oh gosh, yes. <laughs> so it's, it it's been, been massively updated. Yeah, yeah, cool. Well, that's great. Well, thank you so much for your time, Dr. Downey, and we really value your wisdom. And I hope you've enjoyed listening, and we'll see you again here soon at SYD Life.